Some thing, things you'll hear tonight, maybe you'll know. Some things you'll hear tonight, maybe you've never have heard before. Let me just say this is an, an overview of many things we could answer. But it's simply an overview to show you why preach prophecy. Because prophecy proves God's word to be true. The covenants that God has made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still kept by him today. The covenant of the shed blood of Christ is the everlasting covenant by which we must come under to be saved or redeemed. And that covenant still stands today and will do until kingdom come, as we pray, when we pray that model prayer. Will you turn with me to the book of Daniel? We're going to do quite a bit of Reading, if you have pen and paper ready, if you're going to take notes, we're going to do a bit of number crunching. Daniel chapter 12, we're going to read the whole chapter, there's only 13 verses in it. Daniel chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they shall turn many to righteousness they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever but thou O Daniel shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased then I Daniel looked and behold there stood two other the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And the one said to the man clothed in the linen which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate shall set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and, waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days, but go thy way till the end be. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word, but keep your Bibles open for we are going to look at other portions of scripture. That's just by a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the sense of your presence again with us and your faithfulness to us. We ask you now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you give us teachable spirits understanding hearts and minds, Father. We pray in all of this that men and women would see thy sovereign will and plan, that men and women would see the King of glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, that they would see their need of him, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So we ask you, Lord, speak to our hearts, convict where conviction is needed. Lord, bless where blessing is needed. Compel where compulsion is needed. Do thine own will, Lord. We tell you not what to do, but have thine own way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on the title this evening, The Time of the End. The Time 
of the end. You see, Bible prophecy, what is Bible prophecy? Bible prophecy is history foretold. When God speaks that something will happen, it's already happened in the mind of God. The Lord Jesus was the lamb slain in the mind of God from before the foundation of the world. It had already happened in the mind of God. And in time, it came to pass. It became history, a mark of history. Prophecy is history foretold. And history, when we look back through the years, we'll see it's prophecy which has been fulfilled. So prophecy is history foretold, and history is prophecy fulfilled. The book of Daniel complements is the mirror image or the bookend of the book of Revelation. You have the book of Daniel, and then you have the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, if you want to know the revelation of Jesus Christ in a better way, then study the book of Daniel. Study the book of Daniel, and you'll see it revealed in the revelation, the book of Revelation, or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Both are like bookends, and one actually mirrors off the other. We'll show you that as we go on with our study. In Daniel chapter 12, it starts off with Michael, and he's showing a vision and speaking to Daniel. Now, we won't go into the Michael and who he is, this great prince, but look what it tells us what it says here, that there are going to be those at the end of verse 1 who will be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Written in the book. Now, when you get to the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 20, it speaks of the great white throne judgment when the ungodly will stand before God. And the ungodly will be judged according to the things which are written in the books. But it says that, and those whose names were not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So this book is a book that is known in the book of Revelation at the very last day. Then when we go into verse 2, we see the resurrection. It's not in chronological order, but nevertheless, it's the resurrection. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. When Christ returns in power and great glory, we'll see the graves open. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So we see the resurrection of those who have died in Christ. Some to everlasting life. That's the first resurrection. And then when we go into the book of Revelation, we're told again of, in Revelation 20 of the second resurrection at the great white throne judgment. We're told that there are those who are resurrected and not found written in the book, and cast into the lake of fire. Those who are not saved and blood-washed are judged by God in their sinful state. That's the second resurrection. And John tells us, as blessed and holy as he who hath part in the first resurrection, when the dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive shall be, and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So you have to ask yourself before we go any further, in which resurrection will you arise? In the first, which is with the saints? Or is it in the second, when Christ is on his throne and he's judging the wicked and the ungodly? And their names are not written in the book of Lamb's book of life or the book of life, and they're cast into the lake of fire. Notice what Daniel says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's the second resurrection. Now notice again, he shows us of those who are in Christ, and he shows the saints' glorification in verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, I don't mean to hurt anyone. I don't mean to upset anyone. But we have this thing, well, you know, Grandpa Joe has passed on now, and he's, look, there's a star in heaven. That's not what that means whatsoever. Not literally a star in heaven. They're a planetary system in heaven. Those heavenly bodies we see at night. This gives the idea as they shine bright, 
so will the garment of righteousness and light of glorification that the saint will receive at the coming of Christ. Now he goes into verse 4 and he says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Notice this, he says, shut up and seal the book. Notice, shut and seal. I'll say it again, it's important. Right at the last chapter, at the end of the book, he's saying what you've been told throughout this, from your even reading from Daniel chapter 9, and especially from there when he's reading the scroll of Jeremiah about the new covenant being made. It's not an antichrist covenant. It's a new covenant that the Lord promises to make with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And that's the cross. That's the blood that he shed in Calvary. And he says, when I make this covenant, he says, now shut up the book. And all of these things are going to happen in chapter 12. There's going to be a time of trouble, he says. He says, there's not only going to be a time of trouble, but there's going to be a resurrection of the just and a resurrection of the unjust. There's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a reckoning. There's going to be a glorification. Now shut it up. And Daniel's wanting to know, well, when is this going to happen? But notice, in chapter 12 starts off not only with the archangel at the beginning, but now it starts, it finishes with him saying to Daniel, no more. Close it up. Now can you imagine if you had such great vision can you imagine if you had such a, a wonderful visitation and suddenly, after this, you're not allowed to speak a word. You've written it down, but you're not allowed to tell it forth. I wonder how many of us could keep it. And here we're told Daniel is to shut up and seal the book. Notice what it says in verse 4. Shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. The time of the end. Then throughout this, he mentions time, times and a half in verse 7. And then he gives us another two time scales before the end of the chapter. And then when you look at verse 9, he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are, notice, closed up. This is very important now. The words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So there again, the angel mentions the time of the end. There's a difference in the end of time and the time of the end. The time of the end is that which precedes the end of time. The time of the end is seasons, happenings, and events. Even if you look up uh, the, the Scripture there on the Hebrew for time, it's seasons, happenings, and events coming up or running into it. The time of the end is the culmination to the closing of time. But here he doesn't say the end of time, but he says the time of the end. Now notice, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. The word shut here is the word sotham, and it means to keep a secret. Keep a secret. Daniel, keep this a secret. If you go to Daniel chapter 8, and you'll see some other visions and prophecies. We haven't time to read all of it, but we'll skip across it just to give you an idea. Notice this vision here, if you let your eye run down. What Daniel sees in chapter 8 and verse 3, we're told of this vision. And I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river Aram, which had two horns, and two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher came up last. And I saw Aram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes, and he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power." 
And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground and stamped on him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it became four notable ones toward the four winds. Now, if you wonder what that is, that is really two empires. Two empires that were to come. You see, what had happened was in the, the, the nation of Israel, the ancient Israel, was separated into two kingdoms. The ten tribes were in the north and two in the south, and the house of Israel had their capital city, Samaria, in the north, and from there they had their own line of kings. And they're all ungodly. And in the south we had the kingdom of Judah. Judah, was uh, their capital was Jerusalem, and we read of, of some good kings, some bad kings, but some good kings coming out of there. And the northern kingdom of Israel were carried away because of their sin. You'll read uh, prophecies or, or books like, you'll read of uh, Elijah and Elisha, You'll read of the book of Amos. He was from the southern kingdom and was sent into the northern kingdom. You'll read the book of Hosea. Hosea represents the Lord, and and he he is to marry a woman called Gomer who represented the northern kingdom or the house of Israel. And they fell into sin, and this woman fell into sin, this woman Gomer. And the Lord said that have no more sons belonging to him. They're not my people anymore, he said. And the enemy, the Assyrians, came and took them away. They never returned as a nation again. And they populated and went up through the Dariel Pass and the Caucasus Mountains and went westward. And then they populated Europe, Scandinavia, and into our very nation home tonight. Now that kingdom was known as lost Israel. But in the south was Judah or the Jews. That's what they became known as. And from there was Jerusalem. And now their kings were taken away captive. And they were taken away captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And so Daniel is now in Babylon. It's in Babylon we read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Ezekiel by the river Chebar is there. We read all of these things happening. And now we're here by this river. And this is where Daniel's receiving these visions. So it's to do what we're going to head for at the moment. is to do with the little nation of Judah in the south. It, it comprised of the nation, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and some of Levi. And so they are the only ones that are left in bulk or in mass. Daniel shut up this book. But he sees something here in chapter 8. And he sees a, a, a horned goat coming. And he sees a, a two horn, one higher than the other, on a ram. And the ram's coming from. Trying to do it your way now. He's coming from the east to the west. And he's fast and nobody can stand against him. This was the Medo-Persian Empire. The Medo-Persian Empire was an alignment of two nations who came to one. The Persians where we get Iran today. The Medes were further north around by the, the Iraq and around that area. And so when they were coming across, they ha- you have uh, in the book of Daniel, you read of, Neb- uh, pardon me, of Belshazzar's feast. And you read of Darius. And they were the two, two of the kings of the Medes and the Persians. And so one is higher than the other because one ruled more and one was more prevalent than the other in his, in his authority. And so you see this ram is coming and he has one horn higher than the other and he's coming from the east to the west. He starts pushing back and then a horn goat comes. And the great horn goat with one big horn right from between his eyes. And he's powerful and he's swift. He doesn't touch the ground, meaning he's very fast and furious. And he comes against the ram and he smashes against the ram. This is Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. So the Grecian Empire start clashing with the Medes and the Persians. And they defeat the Medo-Persian Empire. And Alexander the Great takes over. He takes over all of where the Holy Land will be. And he takes over North Africa. And he goes right out eastward as far as India. And that's known as the, the, the Grecian Empire. And the Greek language was spread in those days then. And so that's what Daniel sees here in Daniel chapter 8. 
But in this, the horned goat, or the, the horned ram, pardon me, the horned goat, his horn breaks off and four notable horns comes out of his head. Now, what is that? Four notable horns was after his death, his four main generals split his kingdom up into four parts. And the four generals were uh, Lysimachus, Cassander, Ptolemy, and Seleucus. And they separated his kingdom up right around the Mediterranean to India, over the Holy Land. And the Seleucid Empire took over the Holy Lands, right out into Babylon. And so you heard of the Seleucids. That's, that's this main empire that we're dealing with that will come after Daniel's back. Now, after Daniel sees this, he, he's told, look, this is for another day. Seal it up. Then he's given Daniel chapter 9 about a new covenant. He says, seal it up and don't say it's not for yet. It is yet to happen. And so whenever we look at this, we must keep in mind that this has been shut up until when? Until when? Well, if we look at our book of Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, listen to what it says. Revelation chapter 1 verse 1, I'll get a drink while you're looking that up. Remember, it's the other bookend of the book of Daniel. Notice the language here. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, notice the language of Christ here. He says, John, these are going to shortly come to pass. This isn't away in the future sometime. It's going to start soon. Shortly come to pass. Now let's read on. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Notice the word signified, or if you want, he said the book of Revelation, revealing things from Daniel even, in signified, signs and code work, in other words. He signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Listen to verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written, for the time is at hand. For the time is at hand. Not the time is a million miles away. Not the time is 2,000, 3,000 years away. For the time in John's day, for the time is at hand. It's coming shortly, and the time is at hand. I need to get this in here. Coming shortly. Shortly come to pass. The time is at hand. And that's in John's day, 2,000 years ago. Folks, listen. This has been unfolding. And this has been opening from this day forth. Notice this. I want to show you some things. Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the book. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 10. Notice what is said again. Daniel's shut up and seal the book. Notice what the Lord says here. Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Can we see that? Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. What? Why not? For the time is at hand. For the time is at hand. So, in our reading, we can now, with an open vision, have some understanding as the prophecy is no longer sealed but open. In Daniel 12, we have time periods mentioned, three of them. So we can look, forgiven revealed signs from the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ from the back to the front. First of all, I may have to do, I will have to do two evenings on this. So I'm going to do one which will be these three time scales, God willing, then I'll look at other points in it. First of all, we have the measuring of the time of the end. The measuring of the time of the end. We'll probably not get past that one point tonight. Secondly, we will have living in the time of the end. Living in the time of the end. And thirdly, we will have the climax of the time of the end. Now notice, first of all, 
measuring the time of the end. Daniel chapter 12, verse 7. Daniel chapter 12, please, verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, and he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Notice the time scale here. A time, times, and a half. What is that? A time, times, and a half. One time. There's two main prophecy uh, measurements we can use. For example, in Numbers 14 and 34, and in Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, the prophet and Moses is told to give a day for a year. Peter speaks of a day as with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Now, if we were to add all of this together as a thousand years as a day, we would be millions of miles away probably by now. So it's a day for a year. So what has happened? Remember, the time is at hand from John's day, the book of Revelation. It's signs, codes, and wonders in it. Now being revealed. Notice, let me just work this out for you. One time is 360. Now, I'm not going to go into it. This is it in a nutshell because there's lunar cycles and I can take his solar cycles and yard it and take it. I'm not going to start all of that because it, it fries your mind after a while trying to work it all out. Here's one time. You ready? 360. Circumference of a circle is 360 degrees. So one time is 360. Times is double that, which is 360 multiplied by 2 is 720. And half, well, half a time, half of 360, is 180. So we have 360, 720, 180, and when you add them all up, they come to 1,260. 2,000 1,000, pardon me, 260 days or a day for a year, 1,260 years. Okay? 1,260 years. Now go with me to the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. I keep saying the revelation of Jesus Christ because it says revelation of John the divine and all of these things. It's not. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 9. Let's just read some of this. We haven't time again to read it all. Verse 1 says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Let me just run down for time's sake then. Verse 7, The shape of these locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and their heads were crowns like gold, and their faces were the faces of men. And they had hair as their hair of women, and their teeth were like the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was, a, was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like on the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which was the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, came two woes after. Let's stop there. Notice, here we have, in chapter 9, a star falling from heaven. The Lord Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven, as lightning from heaven to earth. This star that fell from heaven to earth is Satan, that old beast and dragon himself. 
called the devil and Satan. He falls from heaven to earth, being kicked out, as it were, of heaven after his rebellion. And then he goes to what is known as the bottomless pit. And then out of it comes a smoke. In other words, out of it comes something like a vision. And then we're told there came locusts, many, many things like locusts. These locusts have golden crowns. These locusts have breastplates, sound like chariots and horses, stings in their tails. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not literal locusts that we will see going around stinging people with breastplates. This is the rise of the Islamic armies with their turbans-like crowns, with their breastplate, with their long hair, with their teeth like, like lions. They were very ferocious. They were very warlike, very brave. The sting in their tails, they, first, they were one of the first to pull cannon behind their horses. And that was the sting that was in their tails. And John saw this before it even came out into modern war, the warfare of the day. This was 600 or, or about 600 years before when John saw this. And he saw these things and didn't understand what they were. They were signified. They were codified. Now stay with me till we go on a little further. What does this mean? Well, at the age of 40, Muhammad claimed to have his first revelation. He said from God. Some say from an angel. But on the 16th of July, 622 AD, he was rejected by the Arabs. And he fled from Mecca city to the city of Medina. Medina was that known as Medina then. It was known as the city of Yathrib. And he, he goes in flight and becomes known. That flight, that date of the flight, 622 AD, becomes known as the Hagira calendar. It's very important that we remember this. The Hagira calendar, that's the Muslim calendar now. And so that Hagira calendar goes and coincides in different times with our own calendar. Even our calendar's been changed, but that's another story. The Gregorian calendar. But the calendar that we have today, it was changed, and it goes alongside of it as the, the Hagira calendar. So let's do some measuring here. 622 A.D., a time times and a half, 1,260, brings us to the year 1844 A.D. 622 A.D., 1260 brings us to 1844 A.D. This begins what's known as a time when the British Empire demanded that the Turks ceased the practice of killing Muslims who were converted to Christianity or to the Christian faith. And as a result, the result, as a result, the Sultan of Turkey was forced to issue a decree of religious tolerance. Now, Turkey is important because at this time, they're known as the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And they had conquered the Holy Land, Jerusalem, they had come right across where the Seleucid Empire was. Here comes that other uh, horn that came out. Here's one of the four. They had become Islamic now down through the years. This is the time of the end coming up, looking to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And so we, we find that the Sultan of Turkey was forced to issue a decree. Now, there's a second time measure. You may say, what's that got to do with it? Well, the, the Islamic Empire or the Mohammedan um, Ottoman Empire, the Turks, they were right around, if you get a map, and they have the, the Fertile Crescent where old Father Abraham came from, right the whole way around the Fertile Crescent down into Iraq toward Iran. You see, that, that's where the river Euphrates were, and that's where in the desert, that's where all the lush vegetation was. So people started to populate the whole way across there. They started to build, they started to irrigate, and they conquered the whole way across for the rest of it was barren wasteland, just sand and desert. And so they conquered right across. So they're in hold of this, and they're in hold of Jerusalem also. Now notice again, I'm going to bring you somewhere with that thought. Remember, 
that the Sultan of Turkey is forced to issue a decree of religious tolerance. Here's the second measure in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 11. Daniel 12 and verse 11. And from that time the, the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Notice, a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Here's a different time scale. This is the second one. A thousand two hundred and ninety days, which is a thousand two hundred and ninety years. Now listen, the abomination that maketh desolate, it happened. After this, when Antiochus Epiphanes went into the temple of Jerusalem and desecrated it in 145 B.C. And then, three years later, Judas Maccabeus came and he instituted all the worship in the temple again. Now, that's when you'll read, if you were to get the, uh, what's known as the Apocrypha between the Old Testament and the New, you have uh, the Maccabean Wars and you have the Book of Ezra and Joshua and all of those things. We don't count them as, as, as inspired now, but they can give you historic, history lessons in it. And so we, this, is all right, this happened first. Then when Jesus came, he says it would happen again. But here we're speaking of an Islamic one. We're speaking of an Islamic one. Roman Prince Titus came in and destroyed the temple and uh, sacrificed a pig's head upon the altar of Jehovah in AD 70 and tore down the temple brick by brick and stone by stone was not left one upon another as Jesus had said. This temple, not one stone will be left upon another. And that happened again. So here we're looking at the Islamic one of it. Now notice this. Notice this. In 638, 622 is the flight of Muhammad, as the Hegira calendar starts, and then the build-up of the Islamic faith. In 638 AD, Muslims erected two mosques after taking Jerusalem captive and showed not, that not only did Christ's one-time sacrifice at Calvary finish the Jewish sacrifices, but it also shows that there is one sacrifice for sin forever. And listen, if at this point in time we think about it, this is going to be the very blue-touch lighting paper for what you would call the Third World War, Armageddon. And this is what's going to happen. These mosques were set up, and they were set up to take away anyone else from their religious authority over the area. So, 1,290 1, years, 622 A.D. 1,290 years from 622 A.D. brings us up to 1,912. 1,912. Now, this is important. The Balkan War started and weakened... Notice Turkish power, the weakened Turkish power began to crumble. That whole Euphrates River, which was popular, began to crumble. In 632, the Islamic Caliphate was established. 632, 1,290 years brings us to 1922. The Turkish Ottoman Empire came to an end with the abdication of the sultan. And thirdly, in 634 AD, the Caliph Omar established the Arab Saracen Empire. 1,290 years brings us to 1924. The Islamic Caliphate was officially abolished. Now, brothers and sisters, when we were saying, well, that's all dates, listen, watch online. Get a CD, get it recorded, get the numbers down. Because here's what happens. You're seeing it being in Turkey because it's the time of the end. It's the time of, not the end of time, it's coming up to the time of the end. There's many more of these I could have shown you. And so because of this, you'll see that the Turkish Ottoman Empire started to dry up. Now we're coming to something else, and this is, Tremendous. This is powerful. Our third time scale in Daniel chapter 12. Go to verse 12, it says. Daniel 12 and verse 12. 
Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. One thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. Five and thirty days, it says in their Bible. Okay? What does it mean, blessed? Is he that waits and comes to 1,335 days. Okay, let's go back to our time scale. The flight of Muhammad, the Hagira calendar starts, 622 AD. Okay, 1,335 days brings us up to the year 1917. 1917. This confirms, remember, the house of Israel are gone. They're now becoming a nation and a company of nations. The house of Judah have been taken captive. They've been brought back again. The Lord Jesus has come. Daniel's prophecies of the new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, has been made by Christ dying on the cross. All of this has happened. Then John has seen, the John the Revelator has seen the book of Revelation. And then after that, we're seeing it all unfolding here. You see the Turkish Ottoman Empire is drying up and drying up and drying up. Now notice this. In the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 26, the Lord says, we haven't time to read it, I will punish you, Israel, seven times more for your sin. I will punish you seven times more for your sin. Now, a time is what? 360, like 360 degrees. One time is 360. Seven times is 360 times seven. Now, if you're a mathematician, you're thinking in your head, aren't you? Let me just save you, it's 2,520. 2,520, and there's no year naught, so you go from B.C. right up toward A.D., the numbers decrease, and then instead of a year naught, you go to year one, so you add one for that. And then you go on. That's how you get the time scale. 2,520. When do these seven times punishments start? Well, first of all, the house of Israel were deported in 745 BC. And their seven times started then. That was the first deportation. And it brings us up to 1776. 1776, we see the 13 seaboard colonies of the United States of America putting away from Great Britain to form the United States as we know them today, the 13 seaboard colonies, to become that great Christian empire. And then by the time their capital city fell in Samaria in the northern kingdom, 721 BC, it brings us to the year 1801. What happened in 1801? It was the union of Great Britain and Ireland. God was forming the nations. Why? Listen, Judah is captive. Judah's punishment carries on. Now take note of this, because this is fantastic if you grasp it. Take note of it. Judah's punishment, the southern kingdom was started a little uh, later on. And they were taken away in 645 B.C. I'm trying to shorten this down. 645 B.C. And when you take it from 645, they never had their own power since. And even when they were in Jerusalem, the Romans were over them. The Muslims were over them. The Arabs and so on. They were all ruling over them in Jerusalem. The The end of their seven times punishment comes to the year, you ready, 1917. Now notice, Judah, it's where you get the name Jew from. Judah, the end of their punishment was 1917. The year 1335 from Daniel 12 and 12, taking it from 622 AD and adding the 1335, brings us to the year 1917. Blessed is he that waits to the year 1335. Now, what happened? 
Well, let me put it, for time is flowing, let me put it in a nutshell for you. In the First World War, in the First World War we had, in 1914, that's another time scale, I haven't time to do them all for you. I'll do them some other night. In the First World War, we had what was known as the Air Flying Corps before the RAF, a fledging, fledgling RAF. And I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the little bi-wing planes that are more or less stuck together with wires and tape and paper. You know, there's not a lot to them. You know, they had the goggles on and they dropped the bombs out the side and all this sort of stuff, the little machine gun on the front. That was the Air Flying Corps. Number 14 Bomber Squadron was sent to the Holy Lands under a general known as General Edmund Allenby, Christian general, a Christian general. It was actually a Christian general, General Belvoir, who was reading a book from, it was written in 1888 by a man called Henry Grattan Guinness from Dublin. Yes, Guinness from Dublin. He's related to the Guinness family in Dublin. Some of the Guinness family were evangelical preachers and Christians, and the other half went into the brewery. And Henry Grattan Guinness, you can see a statue outside Trinity College to this day. He wrote a couple of books, but nevertheless, one of them was called Light for the Last Days, and the other one was Approaching the End of the Age. And this Christian General Belvoir had been reading these and looking at these timescales, and Grattan Guinness found these timescales. And he worked them out, and he writes, I, I, will, I will maybe do something else in more detail sometime, and let you actually, I'll quote what he says. It's phenomenal. In 1888, he's writing it, and he said that there's going to be a momentous event, I'm paraphrasing just, a momentum event is going to happen in Jerusalem in 1917. So this general brings it over to Allenby. Allenby doesn't want to touch it because anyone who's tried to liberate Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire, they were just totally dismissed. They, 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 they were like, we are wiped out every time we go here. No one was able to conquer it. No one was able to release it from the Mohammedan grip. But he shows them what God says in his word. And when he sees it and he reads what God had said in his word, he says, Allenby says, being a Christian and a, a Bible believer, a, a lover of the Lord, he says, I'll go. And he takes his army and there's bloodshed all over. There's battles galore. If you read a book by Mary Hughes, The Land is Mine, it tells you some of the stuff and details that went on as they tried to encroach into Jerusalem. Everywhere there was bloodshed. And it came to Jerusalem. And the Turks had such a grip on it. And on the 8th of December, 1917, coming round the clock to the ninth, he sent over the little bi-wing aeroplanes flying over the city walls. And didn't want to destroy that or where Christ had walked. He didn't want to destroy the city. So he sends over, not dropping bombs or shooting guns, but dropping leaflets telling the Turks to surrender. Now imagine this great empire. That, that, all right, they're weakened by this time. They're going to surrender because someone's dropping leaflets. <laughs> Nevertheless, he sends over number 14 bomber squadron. And so as he sends them over by the next morning, the Turks had surrendered without a shot being fired without a bomb being dropped. The Turks just handed over. In fact, it was to two little private soldiers. We surrender. They had to go and get someone of a higher rank to accept it. We surrender. What happened? Here's what happened. In the book of Isaiah. I want you to read this little verse. The book of Isaiah, verse 4 and verse 5. Chapter 31, pardon me, verse 4 and verse 5. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as the lion and the young lamb roaring on his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is called forth against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor abase himself of the noise of them. 
so shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. Now notice, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Not a shot fired, not a bomb dropped. Is that not amazing? I finish with this. Why tell you about all the Ottoman Empire? Will you turn with me to the book of Revelation? And will you go with me to the Revelation chapter 16? For this takes us further into up, more up today, to date today. I might touch it tomorrow, next week, I don't know. And while you're looking that up, do you see when they surrendered? There's a coin, I have a copy of it. I know some of you have a copy, they've got a copy, and it's like a, a coin with a hole in it. It's like a polyman, no, that sort of a way. There's no center in the coin. And it says around the outside of it, it says the year 1917. When you flick it on the back, it's the Islamic one, 1335, from the Hagira calendar. That's a coin from the day. Number 14 bomber squadron had a medal, a medal struck up because of the victory. Do you know what it says along, along, around the medal? I spread my wings and keep my promise. Isn't that phenomenal? I spread my wings and keep my promise. The Lord said, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. And that's what he did. That's what he did. Do you know why the Jews are back there? For World War III. That's why they're there. They're called the fig tree of Scripture. Now, I might mess up a little bit of theology for you here just as I close in this. Remember I told you the Turks and that big empire from the Seleucid Empire then they become, uh, way down through the years, they become, after the, the, the rise of Muhammad, they become Islamic. And then the Ottoman Empire, the Turks went right around the Fertile Crescent, right around by Ur of the Chaldees, right into Iraq, Iran direction, right round by the Euphrates River. And people populated that, you see, because that's where the food and the irrigation was, the water. I'm going to maybe, some of you maybe not heard this before, so bear with me. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up. Now let's stop. It's already happened. The Turkish Ottoman Empire was the water drying up. They receded, they receded. As the three steps I told you, they receded. And by the 1924, I think it was, my memory served me right. They became the Turkish Republic we know it today. It dried up. Came right over the fertile crescent. It dried up right through the river Euphrates. They no longer held sway into Jerusalem. It dried up. But now notice this. It changes to something else. The water off was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. What's that mean? I haven't time to go into this because we are stopping here. I could preach this stuff all night. I love it. The ways of the kings of the east. In 1917, Jerusalem is liberated. Allenby walks in on the 9th of December, 1917. Doesn't even go in on his horseback, he said, for it's Christ's place to do that, to ride in as king. And he gets off and he walks. You can see, Google it, you'll see pictures of it. There's pictures taken of it. And he walks in the Jaffa Gate, makes a declaration for religious freedom. And in the same year, in the same year, 1917, what did we have? The Bolshevik Revolution. The Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. Millions of Christians were slaughtered. Millions of them. Millions of them by socialist Marxists. A, a man called Mao Zedong, Zedong 
from China is in Russia as a student. He goes back to China and he takes the, the, the teaching of Marxism back to China and they formulate Marxism in China and China becomes the Red Republic it is today. There's Chinese nationalists fought against it and they were retreated into Taiwan. That's why America still backs Taiwan today. All in the same year, it's the rise of the kings of the east. It had to dry up, you see. When that dried up and, it was, and Jerusalem was liberated, all of a sudden the enemy says, now we can take the spoil. And then we had the lying visions of Fatima. The visions of Fatima were three little shepherd children were told they said they seen a vision of Mary and says, go consecrate Russia to my sacred heart. And war broke out against Russia. And there's other things that's happened. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. There it is. Out of the mouth of the beast. Here we come, revived Roman Empire. Out of the mouth of the false prophet of Islam. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked. And they see his shame. I ask you, we're at the time of the end, approaching the end of time. This is the 500 year, 10 jubilees from the Protestant Reformation this year. October 31st, 1517. 10 jubilees, 10 is the number of God's perfect order. Ten commandments. And in this we've seen ten tries for liberation. We're also at the year where it was uh, 50 years of jubilee. 50 is the number of jubilee. 50 this year, the number of year of jubilee from the 1967 war when the Temple Mount was, where the Temple Mount area where the sacrifices would have been years ago was liberated. Two jubilees from 1917. Ten jubilees, two jubilees, one jubilee. And listen, folks, I know on the 23rd of September the stars are going to align up from Revelation 12 and there's a woman gives birth to the child and, and all of these things. I have something to tell you, it's already happened. That's Israel giving birth to Christ. And people are putting dates in these things. 23rd of September is not going to mean anything. The woman with, in Revelation 12 with the sun on her head and the moon on her feet. Joseph comes and he says to his brother and his dad, he says, look, I had a dream about you, he says. And I had a dream there was the sun and the moon and the, the 11 stars bowed down to my star. And the father says, what, are, you going to, are we going to bow down to you, Joseph? The father knew exactly what Joseph meant when he was talking about the sun and the moon was, was his father and his mother and the 11 stars were his brethren. He says, we're going to bow down to you, Joseph. It's already happened, brothers and sisters. The woman in the wilderness was scattered Israel because Christ had already came from her. It's already happened. Don't let people put fear in you. The only thing you should be afraid of is not being saved. Not coming to the cross. That blood covenant we spoke about earlier where Christ bled and died for you. Are you saved? Are you ready? We're still in the time of the end, but soon it's going to be the end of time. You saved. I trust you are. And if you're not, please see us before you go home. Before you go home. I'm going to do part two next week. It may not be as complicated. I have it in my head. I know it's difficult when you're sitting there. 
It's as simple as I could break it down, so forgive me if it was too complicated. Get the CD, watch it online, listen to it. Get your notepad out, get your Bible out, think about it, read it, pray about it. Let God show you that he's already moving, he's in control.